so it's five to ten in the evening um, but I guess where we are it's just becoming dusk we're just driving out of the Somiedo National Park in Asturias in Spain and um, it's fair to say we're on a, a little bit of a high at the moment absolutely yeah I, mean, it's, I think we're still in a state of shock um, after an amazing encounter with brown bear in the Somiedo National Park yeah. Hello, my name is Ian Rowlands. And I'm Colin Williams. And welcome to our podcast about the human experience in the non-human world beneath the stream. Um, Colin, where are we? It's an amazing place. Yeah, we're looking out. We're, uh, we're in Asturias in northern Spain on the edge of the Somiedo National Park. We're, we're, looking out, we're looking out east over a range of mountains and hills. Um, and just we're sitting in a sort of enclave of old rural buildings. I'm guessing at some time it might even have been a little hamlet. Mm. There's, and then we also have these kind of thatched shepherd's huts, which this part of Spain seems to specialise in, um, with these great long fronds of thatch. And then on the, on the top, four-sided buildings, pyramid-shaped buildings, and then on the top, these huge um, stones that weight it down. Um, but yeah, they're all abandoned, it seems, um, and the place, uh, the, the wilderness is slowly reclaiming the area. It's, it's lovely. Got gr- it's got a great feel to it, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah, I really, I really love it here. There's one or two vultures just dropping down over the far distant hillside, and uh, and this place feels like it, it was settled. There's a patchwork of meadows and the wilderness reclaiming it. We're sat near some old stone wall here too. Um, and for me, it, it's a landscape that oozes the possibility of bears. Mm. We're, we're in that northern part of Spain where Cantabrian brown bears still live and it's impossible for me to just look at you and talk and not glance over your shoulder and look at these meadows in case something is ambling, shuffling across the meadow that will grab our attention. So it's, it's a wonderful place, isn't it? And bears was the subject I really wanted to, to talk about on this podcast. Um, I was going to start with a little anecdote really, which was... Um, I was in Yellowstone National Park one time and uh, and saw a bear disappear up a river amongst the trees and uh, and did everything that you shouldn't do, which was try to follow the bear and, and, and get into the woods and get down to the river and and on my own. And as I got there, there was tremendous animal smell of bears, and I suddenly had that realization that that I was seeking to get close to this beautiful mythical animal that we no longer have in the UK and yet I was putting myself entirely in danger mm. getting getting close to it and I can remember never having my senses so alert as to every crack of a twig that I made made me alert that we would I would be alerting a bear to my presence and my back to the trees to make sure I was covered I was primed alert I never did see the bear again but everything about it was my experience was wanting to see this animal and not wanting to see it and I thought in some way the fact that I wanted to be there but shouldn't have been there the no creature better encapsulates our conflicted journey in relation to the non-human world than bear right so uh, so that's kind of they confuse us you know our relationship with the non-human world we admire them we adopt their names we look for their power we cuddle them as toys with our children um what do you think of when you think of bear yeah i think i mean firstly your your experience of 
of seeing and encountering wild bears is a lot is, is a lot greater than mine. Um, however, when I when when I think of bears, uh, I think it's some of those things that you've already mentioned. I I know that in um, certain cultures the bear's very revered, and it appears in their symbolism. Um, it appears in their in their rituals, in their ceremonies. Um, I know that, you know, it wasn't really that long ago in human history where the bear was hunted mm-hmm. um, for its pelt and hunted for its meat. And yes, there's that curious thing that then impinges on our culture of, you know, when we, if we're going to have a cuddly toy, it's a teddy bear. Yeah. Um, and I know there's much more recent, um, the genesis of those things is a lot more recent in human history. But still, an odd leap to make from um, from predator to toy, a toy that we we're happy to give our children and, yeah. and those sorts of things. So, all of those things um, wrapped up when I when I think about the bear, and and it also makes me think of constellations in the sky. You know, the great bear. Um, it, it's remarkable how um, seemingly, in my experience at least, how universal the image and name. And brand, yeah. that's a poor expression. No, no, it's, but, it's, but it's, the brand of the bear, how, absolute, how universal and widespread it is. It's true because I, I, I was very keen in this podcast to, to rush off and think about the symbolism of bear and its relationship to ancient cultures. Um, and yet, really, when when you think of bear, it's a lot of modern references that, that spring to mind. You know, teddy bears you've mentioned from Roosevelt's time, and and uh, Yogi Bear. Gummy bears, you know, the little chewy sweets that we have in, in Europe, have Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Um, and, of course, you know, for sports fans in the U.S. listing, there'll be the uh, the Boston Bruins. Yeah. Or there'll be the Chicago, Chicago Bears. Bears yeah. and, and so we have a lot of modern cultural references. The grizzly bear is on the flag of California, of course, and uh, the Californian grizzly is now extinct. But, you know, 1846, they put a grizzly bear on the flag of California. So we, we have a lot of those sort of modern references for bears um and again sort of illustrating our our conflict if you like you know i've got swedish friends who are fearful of going to pick berries and mushrooms in the woods in case they encounter a bear uh, i've been in norway it's very strange i was in norway one time um looking at an ecotourism project and uh, bringing visitors from the uk to norway to see wildlife and there was a a bird feeding station in the grounds of the place and I looked across and I was like oh interesting birds and they go what, what, what is that that's hanging up there and the guy said oh it's a bear paw and for Norwegians there was no horror or shock in the fact that bears were shot and that uh, it seemed natural to feed the paw to the bear the birds but for for us of you know western European sensibilities it was kind of horrific image so mm. there's, there's a lot there with our modern uh, relationship with bears I think which is odd and I couldn't really embark on this without uh, referencing that movie that had a big impact on me Werner Herzog's Grizzly Man yeah from 2005 yeah, about Timothy seen? Treadwell exactly yeah. yeah and you know who is they used a lot of his footage he took with his uh, insistence on getting close to bears developing a relationship with bears and he was ultimately killed by a bear yeah. and the whole thing is documented in the film it's kind of a must watch so, mm. uh, so yeah there we are with humans in the midst of this creature and we, we unclear what our relationship is with them um, I guess we're hoping to see bears in the park here yeah. it's, it's a it's a wonderful place but we won't want to get too close to them no. yeah, it's just come down from 
um, the mountains um, um, with our guide Marco. Um, we've actually been searching for brown bear for a long time today. I guess all, all told we've, we've spent nearly eight hours um, searching hillsides. And we were up at 4.30. We were up at 4.30 <coughs> to uh, leave at 5 to get here for 6.30. Out at first light, three, three and a bit hours of searching and, and nothing. Um, and then this evening at 6.30 again, um, we got taken up to this, this place in the east of the park. And uh, actually we spent another couple of hours fruitless searching. Um, but then um, as we were driven to the, a track on the very ridge of, of a high peak, um, we encountered, I guess, maybe 100, 150 metres away. Male brown bear. Yeah, it was kind of comfortably close enough, but not uncomfortably too <laughs> close. From that I wanted to talk really about the ancient relationship with bears and, and I suppose the, the association we have with bears and power. Um, and, and that seems like something that modern humans might, uh, modern Europeans might mock, indigenous people's relationship with bear and power, but I was struck by the fact that the grenadier guards in Britain have bear skins on. Yes. You know, it's to give them more height, but it can't be any old. Fur, it's got to be a bear and it's imbuing those soldiers with power and the fact that so much of you know Native American culture and Inuit culture and Siberian culture associates the bear with with power um, for, for the Inuit people the bear is a strong power totem and if you're an Inuit hunter accepts that they're eaten by a bear they may reincarnate as a shaman oh. and carry the spirit of the bear and, and in Siberia, the name to designate women shaman is bear. Um, I think it's interesting. There's the whole notion of the sort of bear clans, you know, the kind of um, many tribes, the Mi'kmaq and the Chippewa and Huron, the Plains tribes, bear clan, that way of um, dividing your nation into a number of clans and having a, a framework, if you like, to give strength and order. So you would be of, of the bear clan. Um, will often be with, with grizzly bear, brown bear. So, so, there's, so there's eight species of bear around the world, but then those bears are broken down into lots of subspecies. So take American black bear, you know, there's, there's a white form of black bear, yeah. spirit bear, come up, found on you know, uh, islands off, off the west coast of North America. So, and, and the same with grizzly bear being a form of brown bear. And then we have, you know, Asiatic bears, um, sun bear in South America you know, there's, there's, there and, are and there's one that really sets my imagination racing it's the Kodiak bear yeah which is reckoned to be the largest, the largest. subspecies of the brown bear we're drawn to the and, largest and, thing, yeah and we, we drawn to this large and 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 fiercest thing and actually when we were preparing for this podcast um I I thought I'm going to do some google searches I'm just trying to you know get myself more familiar with some of these stories and I googled Kodiak bear and um 
and I was kind of dismayed to see that, and then when I sort of clicked on images, I was dismayed to see that of the first 30 to 40 images, only two were not of hunters hmm. pictured with a bear they had just killed. Yeah, it seems a shame, doesn't it? It seems a shame that's our relationship with those creatures. Brown bear, and you mentioned Kodiak bear, there are, there are many, many forms of them. They go right across the Northern Hemisphere. So there's sort of Siberian brown bear, Sitka brown bear in, in, in Canada. You mentioned Kodiak, Himalayan brown bear, Cantabrian brown bear that we're in the realm of here, uh, Alaskan bear, Bergman's bear, too many to mention really, but it, 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 they are hunted right across that range and hunted here in Spain mm. where we are too. Mm. You know, it's, uh, it's can we find space for bears in our lives as modern humans? Yeah, and, and, and you and I were in the Pyrenees some years ago in the French Pyrenees and uh, the place where we were was very proud of their legacy of having you know the relict population of of brown bears in in the Pyrenees in their local area and yet um, relative relatively small levels of protection yeah. there's only a few months before where where a uh, where a, a hunter or, or, or a farmer was had, was you know boasting yeah. uh, about killing um, a bear in the Pyrenees yeah mm. We don't have much space in Europe left for bears. So now no. I've seen bears in Romania, and you've mm. been to Romania. Right? Yeah, and I've certainly Is been it? to places where they have bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and and that's interesting in Romania. I write a little bit about this in in my book, but um, a lot of the reasons why um, brown bears in Romania are have done so well is because during the communist era, during Ceausescu's era, era, um, he, he was a prolific hunter of bears. And so an awful lot of public money that, you know, now now we know should have been spent on feeding the people of Romania. Um, Ceausescu and his uh, regime spent on um, hunting lodges and feeding stations and um, programmes that would ensure that there was a ready stock of brown bears for him to go and shoot. Really? And so... It's it's a it's a bittersweet reason why those bears are there and doing so well, but but that's one of them. <laughs> what interesting history, mm. isn't it? And it, it makes you wonder what would have happened across the rest of Europe. You know that we want to see uh, dictators like Ceausescu in place, but it, in in a way we haven't. Um, humans have no uh, vital reason around to preserve bears other than to shoot them, and here we are in an area where bears are protected and to some extent cherished. But I've seen graffiti as we've driven along the roadside here with a lot of protests about mm. too much love and protection afforded to bears. So it's sort of a, it's not a universal thing, is it? It's, I suppose it's easy for us as Brits to romanticize about bears because we don't have any anymore. So we, it's a little bit like uh, lecturing India to take care of their tigers. When, when we have no predators left, you know, that, that, that could kill people in, in the UK. That's not true of the USA or elsewhere around the world. And uh, you know, brown bear used to be numerous uh, across Britain and found in the wild. By the, by the end of the last ice age, they become really, really rare. And it, and it was fascinating that there's a lot, of, um, a lot of accounts of bears in Roman Britain. So it's sort of like AD 43 right. to sort of AD 410, something like that. But it's suggested that, in fact, most of those were perhaps brought across from Europe okay. for bear baiting and yeah. bear dancing and entertainment purposes. And 
hunting, you know, that, that by that time after the Ice Age, bears had already gone, you know, and, and probably killed by people. Um, bear imagery still continues in the UK a lot to be used. So you'll see um, it's used as a grave marker in Anglo-Saxon times and in the Viking Is Age. It? Yeah, when the ah. Vikings occupied the UK. So that bear imagery is still really strong and, and associated with traits around power. They discovered tiny bear figurines at children's graves. That's fascinating. Thought, thought to have been, you know, carved and given to them to guard and protect their spirit. So uh, I find that really, really interesting. And of course, we're here in northern Spain where, and uh, a few days ago, we went to look at some cave paintings. And many of the caves, they had cave bears. Yes. Yeah. So, so, the, so, so tell me about the cave bear. Is that is it another species altogether, the cave bear? Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so Ursus is the, is the scientific name mm. for bear, and there'll be Ursus something or other, and, uh, and we'll be familiar from that the constellation. constellation you know, yeah, Ursus and Ursus Arctos is the brown bear. Isn't it, exactly yeah, that. Yeah, well, yeah. remember, so mm. Spelios is cave bear. Um, <laughs> like spelunking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's a really interesting yeah, yeah. one, isn't it? And um, so remains of cave bears have been found... Yeah, dating from as long ago as you know 70,000 years ago in caves and relatively recently up to say 15,000 BC um, and they were a bear a larger than brown bear and thought to be very much at home in the caves venturing out in darkness to feed and probably much more of a bear of um, underground realms than the brown bear was well and just the name when you, and, and the uh, the other names of animals that were painted painted on those walls: cave lion, yeah. cave bear. Yeah. Just the name. It, you know, it's like Lord of the Rings, kind of <laughs> the cave troll. That's very good. Always isn't it? the yeah. largest and most fiercest of things. It's yeah. the thing that was raised and lives in this subterranean dark world That's of nice. the cave. I like the way yeah. you reference that. That's very good, isn't it? Yeah. I think the um, the thing about the cave bears was that they were you were much more likely as a prehistoric human paleolithic human to encounter a cave bear because they spent most of the time in the caves brown bears interestingly are rarely depicted in cave paintings interesting yeah, yeah. Um, whereas cave bears are and there have been um, cave bear skulls and femurs and things positioned in a way that would suggest some ritual around them and let's make a supposition that it's it's similar to the the power that, that indigenous people seek to gain from bear parts even today so the pawnee and it's, it's not unusual to have you know bear claw necklaces for example and and the wearing of bear skins is a is a huge part of uh, that sort of culture you know bear being a totem spirit and the pueblo tribes saw them as sort of directional guardians associated often with the west and the color blue or black and uh, so we, we kind of mock that but the the power that we associate with bear wearing a claw necklace or is, is, is still something that, that, that we have in our in our culture today so uh, I find it really fascinating and I, I I would love to interview people that live amongst the bear here and see what they view because it's, it's a it's a hazard that you mm. might encounter out in the forest so uh, yeah and we we should make an effort to go and look for bears at some point
foraging busy, it was, uh, its tongue was out, it was scenting the air, it was busy, and yeah. it was kind of moving from place to place. And, uh, and at one point I think it scented us. For sure. But, think, because it, it looked directly at us, yeah. and uh, I was looking at it in the, in the scope at the time, uh, that it looked directly at us, and it, it was, uh, well, you, you used a, a phrase while we were up there, it looks right through you. And, uh, and, and it did. Bears are a fearsome creature, you know, and in my encounters with bears, you know, they, they, they can have astonishing bursts of speed. So a grizzly bear can outrun a galloping horse. Um, they'll eat virtually anything, you know, so all sorts have been found in the stomach of bears, a bit like uh, people talk about the same about sharks. They almost tear things out by eating them. That's their first, first response, so bears will eat, you know, berries, fruits, tubers, um, small mammals buried in the ground. Um, and, and, and you've remarked previously in our podcast about fear that something like a polar bear sees you as nothing more than an upright seal. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's because they have very dark eyes. They seem to have a very cold clinical view when they look at you. You know, it's sort of they look right through you. Right. You know, and, and uh, viewing you as a potential prey item, I guess. I mean, I would imagine here that brown bears associate humans with threat. You know, they'll, they'll run the other way. But in, in the Arctic, polar bear are frequently not daunted by humans. You know, I've been in big ice-breaking ships and the bears have come right up to the vessel. Curious smells. Is there any food? Is there anything here? I'm not, not fearful. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's still, <coughs> it still happens, doesn't it? And it's a few years ago, a really tragic story of... Uh, <coughs> Uh, a group of British school kids on a trip in the Arctic, and they'd they'd done everything right. They were in their you know fenced electric fenced enclosure, and someone was tragically killed by by a polar bear in the night. You know, so it's a polar bear that you know had to get through all of that. Um, you know, get through tents and and material and things like that and, and and somebody was tragically killed and so these are still things that despite all of our technology and all of our um all of the distance in our relationship we've we've put in the way over the last few hundred years between us and and the bear uh, we still occasionally have these 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 reminders that they're things not to be trifled and it goes right back to what we said at the beginning where you're contrasting the very real and present danger of a bear attacking you and killing you with the imagery we now associate with the animals in modern culture mm. which doesn't really imply any threat yeah, which it? is a kind of Winnie the Pooh that's, that's a good, good yeah, one yeah, yeah, give them some honey and they'll, they'll be absolutely fine yeah mm. yeah I um I remember tour guiding with a group and uh looking for bears high in the mountains and uh, we, we we've actually got a little bit a little bit strong out as a group not majorly and uh, a bear emerged onto the track between us and two members of our party. Um, and I waved them to, to back off and walk away and the bear started to follow them. And, uh, and I can really look back and, and smile at my response, which was to move towards them and the bear. And I had a tripod with me and bang it on the ground and yell, bear, <laughs> very imaginative. But it got the bear's attention. But the bear turned around was clearly hungry and desperate and approached me and the rest of the group that I was with. And we had no recourse other than to do what what you do out of the manual, which is to make yourself look bigger. 
and we all stood with our arms upstretched and, and, and making noise looking as big as we could and this this I think a young male grizzly came up to us its kind of mouth is open it's slavering a little bit it's hungry it had a, a look in its eye which was ready to take risks but it clearly summed up the danger and slunk off into the forest but it was uh, it was a heart thumping moment mm. remember sort of a understanding that this creature that you you want to stroke its fur and you want to get close to it has this this different side to it you know it's capable of sniffing out you know young elk or bison calves in in the undergrowth and, and bite to the neck killing them and eating them you know that, and when i was a kid there were you know repeats on saturday morning television of the um the us made series i guess it was 70s i suppose gentle ben oh, i don't know that. Uh, uh, about the boy who finds a bear cub and raises a bear cub and the story being it's kind of a it's set in a sort of everglade swamp environment and the the kid's father is a is a ranger um a sort of airboat ranger in in this area and so again we have these things that were you know televised children's programs about the most enormous brown bear who was effectively this child's pet the name of which was gentle ben and so we're we're bombarded from both sides with imagery of wildness and savagery um but also um imagery of well, it's okay because you know if we were to find a little cub in the woods we could raise it just like we would raise a, a yeah. lost puppy mm. and it would be absolutely fine they do have an extremely keen sense of smell you know it's a hunt their, their nasal sort of mucus area is a hundred times larger mm. than it is in you and i so their ability to smell things is really really strong and i was really interested that, that bears which we think of as a bit slow and stupid perhaps um have a very large brain area compared to their body size so they're sort of one of the more intelligent mammals an amazing sort of navigation ability and i guess the excellent long-term memory and also enhanced ability to process all the sensory things that they're getting from their nose and hearing is their principal sense right. interestingly right. interesting not smell no you ah. know, so um they can hear in all directions smell of course carried in one one direction so they will be able to hear uh, and there are, there is develop as as cubs kind of in size quicker than every any other part of their body right in order that they're ready to hear danger um, so they have twice the sensitivity of human hearing and and their range of hearing is both higher than ours and deeper than ours so they can hear far more than than we can so we could be sitting here recording now and a bear is hearing us across the valley and smelling our food and think <laughs> and thinking it's going to come across and and he, they're he's very not getting his hands on my chorizo Ian. is that right yeah. <laughs> so so we should be on our guard for bears and then of course that's very much a factor for um camping in the wilderness in north america you know smell food sound make a sound the whole time you're in, the, in the woods i mean here you know if we're going to go hiking and there's dense areas of cover we should clap or yell or talk all the time or make a bear aware that we're we're in the area so
They're fascinating creatures. And I, there's so much that we could talk about there. Um, and it's fascinating that you mentioned really that, that conflicted relationship with them. They're a totem that we've associated with the sun in Celtic times and with fertility in Roman and Greek times. And there's now very much a sort of culture of you know, spirituality and totem animals in Western Europe, North America, where to be like the bear is to go into your cave, it's to meditate, it's to ponder, it's to reflect on things and look for wise teachings. So we'll never be short of things that we, we impose upon bear as humans. And yet, curiously enough, despite all the stuff we've discussed, we don't really understand bear even now. So thanks for listening. You can find out more about our podcast at uh, beneaththestream.com. Join us on the next episode. <laughs>